Hello listeners, welcome to another episode on Rising Above Shadows of Abuse, Raza, with your host, Grace Hopper. Today's episode centers around world news on abuse. November 13th, 2022, the Sunday Times reported that a girl, age 14, named Lucy, not a real name, has already endured more than most adults do in a lifetime. She spoke about what she's been through at a youth project in Camden, North London, UK. She said in primary school she was bullied for three years and racially abused by the same boy. She was kicked, punched, called a monkey. When she moved up to secondary school, she was sexually assaulted by another people. So far... This year, she has witnessed two youths getting stabbed in separate incidents, one outside the school gates. It was too much for me, she said. Once you see someone getting stabbed, you can't unsee it. In Bristol, in a rougher neighbourhood, Abdul, 16, who was at a boxing gym, claimed he would probably be dead or in prison if he had no other outlet for his aggression. Another gym attendee, Dante Davis, 18, was killed just over a year ago as part of a long-running gang feud in the city. The disturbing stories were recounted ahead of a landmark report into children's experiences of violence. The survey of more than 2,000 teenagers aged 13 to 17 reveals almost two-fifths, 39% of youths, have either been victims of or witnessed violence in the last year. In London, the figure rose to almost half of all respondents, 47%. Third, 65% of teenagers said they had changed their behavior in some way to make themselves feel more safe. This included one in seven, 14% children in England and Wales, and 25% in London, who admitted to skipping school in the past 12 months. Almost one in five youths, 19%, admitted to carrying out an act of violence, including more than 80 who welded a weapon. Two-thirds, 66% of teenagers blamed gangs and drugs as main factors, while more than half, 55%, said they had seen real-life violence on social media. The findings are contained in a new report, Children, Violence and Vulnerability, published by the Youth Endowment Fund, YEF, an independent charity backed by the Home Office. I hear stories of children not sleeping, changing the way they look, changing what they do, and sadly in far too common a case, carrying a knife and preparing for the worst, said John Yates, the fund's executive director. He said violence was casting a dark shadow over too many lives, with many adults unaware of what young people were going through. This isn't a problem for someone else's children, said Yates, a former government advisor. This is a problem for all of our children. The finest was based on online polling conducted earlier this year, the most comprehensive attempt to examine the impact of violence on the nation's youth. It covers incidents from playground fights to mugging, stabbing and sexual assaults, which were experienced by 8% of the girls polled. 
The survey was based on a representative sample of teenagers from all regions of England and Wales and across social classes. Respondents from poor backgrounds who received free school meals were even more likely to have been exposed to violence, 46%, than the overall average of 39%. The Sunday Times spoke to Empire Fighting Chan's boxing gym in Bristol, which runs mentoring programs to help turn around young lives, and a dozen youths at Yes Outdoors, a charity set up in North London by a serving Metropolitan Police Officer in the wake of the 2011 riots. What emerged is a bleak picture of children who have seen the normalization of stabbings and other forms of violence. Although 83% of teenagers polled by YEF said they felt safe inside school, these figures dipped to 69% when they were asked about their safety immediately before and after the school day. Half of respondents said they felt safe on the streets, 45%, and in parks, 43%. Two-thirds of respondents blame gangs and drugs as significant factors in the spread of violence, that is, grooming gangsters. Majority of teenagers, 51%, pointed to social media as a key driver of violence, while 32% blamed films and television shows and 24% cited music. More than half, 55%, said they had seen real-life violence, including sexual assaults on social media. It's the new norm for teenagers, said Lucy in Camden, London. Violence begets violence. Almost a fifth, 19% of children admitted to committing an act of violence in the past 12 months. The figure is likely to be an underestimate because only 1,377 out of the 2,025 youth polled by YEF chose to answer the question. When asked by the YEF to name the one thing they would change in their area to reduce violence, the most common response given by 26% of teenagers, was more visible policing. One of you said, Today is about opening our eyes to see that we have got a problem, that it matters to thousands of children, and that we, the adults, need to do something about it. Sky News, Friday 18th November 2022. Domestic abuse survivors forced to stay with abusers amid rising cost of leaving. It took seven years for Abigail to break free from her abusive relationship. The cost of living crisis deepens. There are concerns others may not be able to do the same. Majority of frontline workers working with domestic abuse survivors, 77%, said those they are helping are finding it harder to escape these relationships. The charity Refuge has warned, as people are forced to choose between remaining with their abusive partners or risk destitution. For almost a decade, the charity Refuge has warned, as people are forced to choose between remaining with their abusive partners or risk destitution. Abigail, not her real name, was subjected to physical, mental, financial and sexual abuse, with the attacks becoming so violent on one occasion she miscarried. The last resort, she said, was he drugged and violently raped me, she told Sky News. And I think for me, that was a wake-up call because I could hardly walk. I just thought this person could kill me. Her abuser owned the house. She was reliant on him financially and had to go to court to get him to take his name off the house. Simply put, I couldn't have been able to leave my abuser if this crisis was happening when I was trying to flee 10 years ago, she said. I felt trapped as it was, 
One of the elements of abuse he used against me was financial. Alongside the physical and emotional abuse, this economic abuse had a big impact when it came to leaving. He controlled everything. Abusers take advantage of crisis. More than half of the frontline staff at Refuge said the cost of living crisis is leading survivors to return to their abusers. Refuge Specialist Technology Facilitated and Economic Empowerment Team has seen an 87% increase in referrals for support with complex cases. They say this can be directly linked to the impact of the crisis. The charity said it will need an additional £1 million to address the growing costs of running its specialist services. It warned perpetrators are also taking advantage of the cost of living crisis to increase economic abuse and control. Some perpetrators restrict food and heating and attempt to gain custody of children on the basis that survivors simply can't afford to maintain a warm home and enough food. Anonymous refuge frontline workers said, It feels like survivors of domestic abuse have been completely forgotten about in this crisis. I have clients whose financial situation is so difficult, things fleeing that they are considering returning to their abusers. They are reliant on food and clothing banks. They have cancelled and cut back anything and everything they can to be able to afford to pay their bills. This is having such a detrimental impact on survivors' mental health and well-being. Some women are really worried about losing access to their children. They tell me that perpetrators are using this cost of living crisis to further their abuse, something we know as post-separation abuse. We are doing everything we can with the funding we have to support survivors. We are giving out more food bank vouchers, more regularly, and to more residents who are repeatedly requiring them. But this has led to food banks raising with us that they cannot repeatedly give out vouchers. Call for Emergency Escape Fund Refuge has called on the government to create an emergency domestic abuse fund to help survivors flee their abusers. It welcomed the government uplifting benefits in line with inflation, but implored the government not to wait until next April to make this vital change. Ruth Davidson, the charity's CEO, said, Survivors and their children are struggling now and they need urgent action to weather the storm of price increases this winter. No one should be left choosing between ongoing abuse and violence of poverty and hunger. The fund, she added, would ensure no woman has to choose between financial stability and her physical safety. Some 94% of emotional abusers escape conviction, according to Home Office data, despite the fact incidents of controlling and coercive behavior are on the rise. The average cost of a divorce in the UK, including legal fees and lifestyle changes, such as needing to find new accommodation, is £14,561, a devastatingly high amount for people who may not have access to their own money. Figures from Surviving Economic Abuse and Money Advice Plus found 67% of survivors are already in a negative budget or have less than £100 surplus at the end of the month. They also have an average individual debt of £20,000, six times more than in 2020 and is expected to get worse. It concluded, financial issues can be a catalyst to abuse and it's often the case that this is the straw that broke the camel's back, said Miss Haynes. Metro Newspapers, Joss Layton, Friday 18th November 2022. 
Women in Afghanistan banned from watching World Cup in public. Women and girls in Afghanistan will not be able to watch the World Cup in public amid a harsh curtailing of their freedoms by the Taliban, an opposition leader visiting the UK had said. Sam Nazari, head of foreign relations for the National Resistance Front, NRF, arrived in London on Wednesday with a warning that the country's rulers are becoming more radicalized by the day. Nazari said that Qatar, which is in the world spotlight, ahead of the first game in the FIFA tournament on Sunday, should close the Taliban's liaison office in Doha. His comments follow three UN agencies reporting in August 2022 on how women and girls in Afghanistan have had a year of increasing disrespect since the Taliban came to power. This is an oppressive terrorist group that have restrained the whole population and specifically women, Mr. Nazari said. The right anymore as human beings and citizens of that country one difference from last year is how sports have lost the government's support with the current terrorist group that controls the country not being for the promotion of such sport. Many of the stadiums are not operating and women will not be able to watch the World Cup in public spaces as they did beforehand. Years ago, the Taliban announced that women are not allowed to visit restaurants, cafes, any public places of that sort, Mr. Nazari said. They are not allowed to visit parks anymore to use public baths. They have been announcing harsh measures. It's happened since last year and recently it has become more severe. NRF is led by resistant leader Amhad Masood, son of famed guerrilla commander Amhad Shar Masood and controls 60% of Montana's Pashir province, according to Mr. Nazari. Many things Qatar and the international community should be doing at the moment, Mr. Nazari said. Their so-called office has to be closed in Doha and they have to feel the isolation, the marginalization in order to start changing. In our perspective, they are a terrorist group and so they receive their legitimacy from radical Islamism and terrorism. We doubt any kind of pressure will work. They are becoming more radicalized by the day and they are only exploiting these platforms for their own interests. Nasimi, who is originally from Afghanistan, told Metro newspapers, aside from not being able to watch the World Cup football in public spaces, Afghanistan has become one of the world's worst places to be a woman. Women are restricted from working apart from some positions where the Taliban need them, such as teachers and doctors. Teenage girls are banned from school, Women cannot travel without a male relative, and the hijab is mandatory. She says, We are beginning to see the complete imprisonment of women in their homes. If this isn't a time for the UN to act, then when is, in the 21st century, the treatment of Afghan women shames the world? As moderates as they may pin themselves in Qatar, the Taliban are still a super hardline extremist Islamist organization which has more than a cordial relationship with Al-Qaeda and there is nothing for them to win by showing up at the tournament. Tar continues to call for a reversal of measures that fail to uphold basic human rights. We condemn all violations of human rights, including against women. These violations are against our principles and values. Tar is supporting efforts to build a strong and coherent 
Afghanistan with an inclusive government that guarantees the rights of all Afghans, the official said. Mirror News Published November 21st by Milika Kosik, USA A woman who suffocated a 17-month-old son with a cleaning wipe has been sentenced to life imprisonment. Heather Reynolds, 45, from New Jersey, USA, was convicted of killing Axel Reynolds in July, some four years after the horrifying crime occurred in 2018. Now, nearly three and a half months after, a jury found the defendant guilty of murder. Reynolds has been served with a life sentence in prison without the possibility of parole. She was also found in possession of meth, a drug, and accused of endangering the welfare of a child. Speaking about the trial, Camden County Prosecutor's Office Chief Peter Gallagher of the Homicide Section, who represents the state, said, We are grateful to the jury for the time and attention they gave to this case. A press release from Camden County Prosecutor's Office said, Before the sentencing of Reynolds, Judge Blue listened to the members of the victim's family discuss how the defendant's crime had affected their lives before imposing sentence. They added that alongside a term of life imprisonment with no possibility of parole on the murder charge, Reynolds has also been concurrently sentenced to eight years for endangering the welfare of a child and four years for possession of a controlled dangerous substance, meth. Reynolds was said to have taken the drug the night before killing her son. On that day, Reynolds had been running from her home with a child in her hand screaming for help. When emergency services arrived, they found Axel unresponsive and on the front garden of the family's home in Sickleville, New Jersey. According to court documents, the boy reportedly had bruises around his mouth and nose and the wipes used to suffocate him consisted of the chemical. Keys of taking methamphetamine the night before, which police confirmed after finding drug residue in her purse. Reynolds also have been charged with conspiracy to commit murder for allegedly hiring a man to kill her ex-boyfriend who reportedly had given a statement about Axel's death to the police. What are your thoughts on this story? Kindly leave a comment at riseandableshadowsofabuse at gmail.com November 20th, 2022 Reported by Mark Bragnagan Ryan Fahey for The Mirror A British boy was shot dead while holidaying in Pakistan with his mum. He was from Bradford, West Yorkshire. He was reportedly shot dead while travelling with his mum. Aldo Khan, age 14, was murdered in the Asian country. The news of Adil's shocking death at such a young age prompted an outpouring of grief. Shabana Hussein said, May Allah grant him the highest ranks in Janatul Ferdos and give immense strength and scepter to the family during this devastating and difficult time. What on earth could he have done so wrong to be murdered? Maria Khan added, my deepest condolences to all the family and innocent child's been taken away from his family, especially from his mother. Siddiq commented, 
How has such an innocent young boy been murdered? And for what reason? He's only 14. What is going on in this world? He said. 15th November 2022, Post, UK, by Alexandra Rogers. A male MP told three female Labour MPs to shut up in the Commons. The women visibly gasped at his comments. Paul Howell, the MP for Sledgefield, apologised after Sarah Owen, Lisa Nandi and Paula Bakker visibly expressed their shock at the comment. MPs were debating an opposition day motion on severance pay for departing ministers after it was reported that Liz Truss, who only served 50 days as Prime Minister, was in line to receive a payment of £18,860. Kwasi Kwateng, who was Chancellor for just 38 days before he was sacked by Truss, is also in line to receive £16,876. Howell accused Labour of scaremongering over the mini-budget that prompted Truss's demise and said it was wholly inappropriate to make the public think the economic situation is worse than it is. He added, I think it's up to the individual if they want to choose not to take it because they think it's inappropriate. Then they can make those decisions. One of the Labour MPs could be heard saying, but what do you think? Howell replied, what do I think? I think it depends on the individual. He then said, you have chirped and talked. Do you want to hear or do you want to shut up? Howell immediately apologized after he saw the reaction of the three MPs. Deputy Commons Speaker Nigel Evans accepted the apology but said, this isn't a chat, this is a debate. The Sun Newspapers, 18th November 2022. Amber Brown was sexually abused from age 7 by her stepdad's best mate. In turn, he promised to tell bedtime stories in return for sick favours. Christopher Atwood appeared to be the dotting uncle to his best pal's stepdaughter. However, while he babysat, read bedtime stories and gifted her with sweets and cash, it was all a calculated cover to mask the years of sickening sexual abuse he subjected her to. Now 26 and a mother of two, Amber has bravely spoken out about the years of abuse she suffered. Amber was sexually assaulted and raped by the monster Atwood, now 39, between the ages of 7 and 14, and kept quiet for 10 years. The pedophile was finally sentenced to 19 years in prison earlier this month after being convicted of two charges of rape, three counts of indecent assault, and two offenses of sexual assault against Amber and one other victim. Now 26, Amber from Dorset has bravely waived her right to anonymity to speak out about the traumatic experience to raise awareness of sexual abuse. She said she's been scarred for life, but bringing him to justice is the best thing I've ever done. I want survivors of sexual abuse to know that it doesn't matter how long ago it was, you will still be believed. Amber was introduced to Atwood when she was five, after her mom and stepdad got together. Amber explains that whenever Christopher babysatched them, he would abuse her. He would constantly grope her privates in her bedroom and ask if it felt nice. Afterwards, he would bribe her with sweets and money to stay quiet. When she was nine, 
Atwood forced her to perform a sexual act on him. She said, I felt so sick I threatened to go and knock on the neighbor's door to tell them what he was doing to me, but he said that if I did, he would do it to my sister. I couldn't live with myself if he hurt her, so I agreed not to tell anyone. Atwood abused Amber for years, but still acted like a perfect trustworthy uncle when her parents were around. Throughout her teenage years, Amber was haunted by Atwood's abuse. She became fearful of men and found it difficult to trust people. Amber kept the abuse to herself for over 10 years before she finally found the courage to report it to police. In March 2021, Atwood was arrested but denied the charges. The court heard how Atwood forced himself upon two girls. The first, who he raped in 2002, was just 11 years old. Atwood was 19 at the time. Amber says, I was devastated that it had to go to trial. When I gave evidence, I stood behind the curtain because I was so scared of him. In October this year, Atwood was found guilty, and this month he was sentenced to 19 years in prison at Bournemouth Crown Court. Atwood was also placed on the Sex Offenders Register for life and made the subject of a sex ham prevention order for an indefinite period. Amber says, throughout the whole process, Atwood made it seem like there was nothing wrong with me and I was making it up. No amount of time will be enough for how he hurt me. I'm just incredibly relieved that he's gone and can't touch another innocent child. If you've been affected by this, if you've been affected by this, visit gov.uk forward slash sexual abuse support to see the support on offer. As a victim, you can also be entitled to support whether you report the crime or not. Your rights are set out in full in the Victim's Code. Mirror News November 21st By Ryan Merrifield, USA Former Dream Boys boss David Richards savagely attacked his ex-girlfriend, model Alex Allam, with an axe after spotting her kissing the reality TV star outside the home they once shared. She suffered three skull fractures and needed 100 stitches. Miss Allen had been kissing the Taui favorite goodnight on her doorstep with her two children, aged seven and three, asleep inside. After managing to distract Richards, she armed herself with a kitchen knife and called Mr. Norcross on FaceTime from a bathroom. He raced back round to the property in Stock, Essex, where he found the children crying in the hallway. Richard 41 fled the scene but armed Police later tracked him down in Ipswich. Chelmsford Crown Court heard Miss Allam had repeatedly reported her ex to police for alleged coercive behavior. She finally made an assault claim and was granted a non-molestation order, reports the son. Waited outside the house for five hours before the attack, striking once Mr. Norcross had left and Miss Allam had stepped outside to see her dogs. During the FaceTime call, Miss Allam told Mr. Norcross, 34, I'm dying. He has killed me. He has done me. She then begged, please get my children. He's going to finish us off. Describing the attack, she said Richards had appeared and immediately began hitting her with the axe and then tried to strangle her. Model, Miss Allam said she feared she was going to get hacked to pieces. With cable tires and then dragged around by her hair. But after Richards accused her of ruining his life by previously going to the police, she claimed her dad had made her do it. While he looked through her phone for proof, she fled into the house and used her iPad to call 
Mr. Kirkcross and the police. The reality TV star, who also appeared in Celebrity Big Brother in 2013, said, Seeing Miss Allen covered in blood was like I was seeing a horror movie. Richards had admitted breaking the non-molestation order at an earlier hearing. He denied attempted murder, but a jury convicted him after a week-long trial and he will be sentenced next month. The businessman sold Dream Boys, the UK's biggest male striptease show, for $1 million in 2019. If you've been affected by this news, kindly seek professional help. Thank you. And see you on the next episode. It's been Grace of her for Raza. Rising above shadows of abuse. Be positive and stay safe. Bye for now. If you've got any questions or inquiries, you can get in touch rising above shadows of abuse at gmail.com or our social media platforms rising above shadows of abuse at TikTok rising above shadows of abuse, Twitter rising above abuse, YouTube rising above shadows of abuse.